Uh, my name is Max, and uh, I'm a founder of Thirsty, and I'm listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and this is the podcast that helps you as an indie app developer. Maybe you're working and you are developing apps in your part time. Whatever you are doing, I know this is going to be a great episode for you because we often overlook the need to market ourselves and market our apps, and especially in the world of blogging. And, you know, I have to put my hand up and say that I am, I need to do more in the world of blogging. I have, um, obviously, I'm a podcaster and I want to learn about blogging. So that's why I reached out to our next guest. Uh, His name is David Risley, David Risley, and uh, he is at uh, blogmarketingacademy.com, blogmarketingacademy.com. So you can go and check it out. Pause the podcast, go and check it out now, come back and uh, then... Uh, carry on. <laughs> so, David, listen, it's uh, great that you could join us tonight on the App Guy podcast. Thanks for having me. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit in the first few minutes of just about yourself, uh, you personally, and what attracted you to the online space. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, as you said, I do come from blogmarketingacademy.com, where basically work with uh, people who are have a blog and they're looking to make some money with it. That's essentially the simplicity of it, build a real business around it. But that's actually not how I got started in this at all. I actually started out as a technology blogger uh, at a site called pcmech.com and started that site back in 1998. So I'm actually one of those guys that have been around essentially – since the beginning of online time. <laughs> um, <and laughs> it feels good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I sometimes say that I've been blogging since before blogging was even a word, and that's actually quite literally true. That's, that's, I've been doing this for 16 years now. Um, and how I got started, it was more or less by accident. I, I saw a, uh, a article on how to create a website in 20 minutes or less, and this was in Yahoo Internet Life magazine, which obviously is way out of publication by now. Uh, but I figured, well, that sounds interesting. So I thought I'd give it a try. And <laughs> one thing led to the next. And here we are doing this for a living. This is a, what a journey. And the fact that you're, you've been doing it for 16 years and you're still passionate today, I'm sure, as you were all those years ago. What, what's kept you going all these years? Uh, well, I like to say that I'm unemployable. Uh, just because right. the idea of sitting in a in a, in a uh, cubicle or something just rubs me the wrong way, so um, that that's probably my chief motivation. It's I just I want obviously need to make a living like everybody else, but I do not want to do it by the traditional nine to five. You know that's a really good point because we have had people listening to this show that have actually left their work uh, employment, and you know it's important to remember. Like I feel the same way as you. I cannot go back. Unfortunately, once you've tasted the Kool-Aid almost, you just can't go back. And uh, I guess that's just a warning to anyone who's who's thinking about this to, to really consider, you know, how it's going to change your life and uh, how you, you there is no turning back. 
it'd be re- I, I mean i never i can't even say going back because i never I never actually did that i it was one of those things to where like everybody else i had a few jobs you know growing up and in college but then that was it it was just one of those things to where by the time i graduated from college i was like you know i just don't want to follow the path that everybody else is doing because I, I was getting my degree in information systems, I know full well that I probably would be sitting in a corporate cubicle doing database admin or something. It's just not really what I wanted to do. So the audience you're speaking to, the Appster tribe, what we do is we build apps and we try and market those apps or market ourselves. And I, 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 maybe let's go back to the start of your journey with PC Tech, or sorry, PC Mech uh, in 1998, because I think we know a lot of stuff about building apps, some of it technical, some of it real, really geeky. <clears throat> and I honestly think that uh, we can actually b- build these blogs and, and, and have them incredibly uh, popular just based on a very, very niche uh, subjects. Perhaps you could talk us through then uh, maybe you know what, what guidance you can give us for uh, creating our first blog and, and how micro niche should we go with the subject matter? Well, it depends a lot on what niche you intend to go into, but I mean, we were talking about uh, PC Mech, and there's a really good lesson there having to do with niche, uh, in that the, one of the big reasons why that site grew at the time was because there was nobody really addressing the need that it served, which was discussing computers, how to do things with them in plain English. At the time, it was basically the, the early adopter geek types that were putting out that type of information, and they were talking amongst themselves. So the, the, the average computer user who was just trying to figure out how to do things with DOS, which was <laughs> which is the thing back then, uh, they were left out the dry. So that was the, my unique selling proposition when I came out with that site was to actually talk about that stuff in plain English. So from that, that lesson moving forward, I think it would work for anybody, is you have to think about what is not only just niche in terms of topic, but also what makes you unique in that space. Because you could even go into a more of a crowded market, but if you have a unique way of going at it, you can still do well in it. So David, I know that many of us would love to hear what it felt like when you first had your big success with you know PC Mech and it took off. Because many of us, you know, we do uh, release apps and we hope that then the next big thing but we'd love to know what it feels like when you get you know a good traffic and you know that something is really appealing uh, perhaps you could talk us through like, you know, how, the growth of the uh, blog and, and how you felt as you could see you know how it worked well obviously it's very validative uh, to see that i mean it was i i will come right out and say that growing a blog from scratch it it, it wasn't even a blog at the time I and mean, we're talking 1998 here it was easier because there just weren't as many websites around. Uh, but I mean, I have a very firm memory in my mind of hitting that first 1,000 visits, you know, back when we had these big counters on our site. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I remember and, those. And, yeah. and I was like, I thought that that was pretty awesome just seeing that happen. The fact that I could sit there in a bedroom and 1,000 people came and checked it out. Um, but, you know, the growth was slow and steady. Um, and then I remember another uh, aspect of when I realized that something had happened, and that was when a company actually came out of the woodwork and offered to buy the website. Um, and this was during the dot-com boom. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, the offer that they gave me was, 
you know, in retrospect, it was full of hot air, but still the, <laughs> yeah. nu- the, the numbers that they were giving me were just like uh, to a, I don't know how old I was at the time, but like 20 or something. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? Um, so at that point, I knew that I had done something pretty cool. Yeah, because that must have been like around about 2000, just before the crash, I guess. Yeah, and, there, and there's a whole backstory there with with what happened with that whole deal with regard to that crash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did I, you take was, the uh, offer? I did, and uh, for a little bit, they actually did own it. Um, but I was it was kind of like this weird deal where I was still running it for a little while, and there were stock options, which at the time, I, you know, I didn't realize were completely and totally worthless. <laughs> and, you know, just... <laughs> a lot that I learned out of that whole thing. Yeah, because uh, you know, I, 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 you know, one of the things uh, that we obviously are striving for as well is that uh, may, maybe I feel that we're going through with apps what you experienced with blogs because uh, yeah. we're, we're we've gone through the you know a very rapid growth stage and now there are sites that people can buy and sell uh, apps and they're becoming very valuable because of the the eyeballs are on the apps now and uh, moving away from desktop. So I think we can learn a lot from, you know, literally trying to build up an app and, and then maybe selling it like the way you did, you, you, you sold that. Um, so um, I was just thinking, uh, how on earth did you get an offer for it? You're saying it just came out of the woodwork? Essentially. Uh, basically, what this company was all about was it was combining ads with a lot of ad or sorry sites with a lot of ad impressions together into a big network and they were selling advertising space across their networks that's essentially what they were doing uh and back then anything on the internet especially with a banner ad on it was basically considered automatic gold i mean the reality had not hit home to the internet yet so they came to me and um one thing led to another yeah i'm just wondering if um maybe the the is an idea here which is that we should perhaps think about selling apps as we um, we move forward. And, you know, we don't have those counters on apps. So it's actually quite hard to see how successful an app is. I mean, you can go into Google uh, Play and, and have a rough guess of, you know, how popular it is looking at the comments and looking at the uh, rough installs. But uh, right. maybe, uh, you know, just to app developers, perhaps putting like a, a number of downloads on there could could be a good idea. Now, are you talking about having it uh, to where the users can see it or just for, for private viewing? Uh, use it, maybe, because you had the counter for anyone who visited the uh, website to show how popular it was. And uh, we, we often don't have those on apps. Um, true. But, yeah, true. there's an idea. Maybe uh, we like to come up with new ideas on the show. And perhaps uh, one idea is to have uh, some reinforcement of how popular the app is. So give some statistics at the top. Yeah, I mean, I think there's the old marketing principle of social proof, which is the idea that if we see a lot of other people doing something, we tend to want to do it too. And a counter is one way to do that, as long as your numbers are actually going to be impressive. Um, but uh, but even aside from that, though, we all keeping track of your metrics is obviously important. So we should have that data. Yeah, I've got metrics on my uh, website and. Uh... Uh, actually, that was from a big flurry at the uh, start of launching one of my apps that got got a lot of uh, interest. So, um, so, so what I'd like to know then is, you are talking to the apps to try. We are indie app developers, and yeah. you know, we want to uh, brand ourselves, make ourselves popular, and uh, uh, maybe blog about uh, ourselves, our work, uh, our apps. What guidance can you give us then to uh, moving forward and and doing that? 
Well, I mean, like I said, it comes down to what niche you're going to be in, but you're not going to be coming into this from the info marketing space like what I typically do. You're going to be coming into this with an app. Now, obviously, I would imagine that most people here are going to understand that the principles of targeting an audience with an app are going to be very much the same as what I do. You, you ultimately need to have a group of people out there with some kind of a problem they want to solve, and they're looking for an app to do it. Or you got games. I mean, games is kind of a different thing, I would imagine. But, um, it's, but it's a, you know, you're addressing that particular type of person with that problem. Now, if they have that problem and they're out there looking for some way to solve it, and your app might be a solution, then Having content, how-to content or what have you about solving that problem where the call to action or, what, or at the end of the post is your app, seems like it would make perfect sense as a content funnel. Yeah, because okay, so I'm thinking about my uh, some of my apps that I've uh, put out there, and you know I don't make much money on Android because I find Android it's it's really difficult. No one seems to want to buy any apps on Android, and uh, yeah, probably <laughs> just uh, <laughs> you know everything has to be free, and then you know you try and make your money from monetizing the the app. Now I had a go at putting ClickBank offers within some of my apps. So for example, one of my apps is. Uh, is to help newborn uh, babies or mothers of newborn babies get them to sleep by playing the sounds of uh, the womb and other sounds oh, like cool. vacuum yeah. cleaners. You know, so it's appealing to uh, women. And then I went into ClickBank and had a look at the uh, information products on ClickBank and uh, found some that were mobile friendly. Not there's not doesn't seem to be a lot on ClickBank that is uh, dedicated to you know mobile. It obviously, needs to be mobile. And then I incorporated that within a tab on the uh, app. And made the offer. You know, no one bought. And <laughs> uh, I, how could you help me with that, that problem? Because I think there's a lot of crossover between trying to look for ways of, of monetizing our apps the same way as you monetize a blog. Yeah, I mean, the, what I would be interested in is what the funnel looks like. I mean, if you, you, got, you got the number of people who open the app versus the number of people that click on that affiliate link. So that'd be the first thing to find out if, if there's a conversion problem there. Uh, actually, and that would be the one that you can control because once they click over to that sales page, it's kind of a conversion problem on their end potentially. But that that would be the big metric I would I would want to know how many people opened it versus how many people clicked on it. Right. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. And, so and actually, that that brings up a point from a marketing perspective: is you would not want to use the the ClickBank hop link directly. You'd want to run it through something where you can actually track that outbound activity. Yeah, I think it's all in the metrics. I mean, I've just uh, fell in love with uh, one of the products that we had. We had a former guest on this show called Neil Patel, and uh, he, he uh, has a product called Crazy Egg. So on, yep. on your website, you can see the hotspots and where people are clicking. But I don't think there's, I certainly can't think of anything at the, this stage that is the equivalent for apps. And I would love to know, you know, where, where people are clicking and uh, what, what's get, getting their attention and <clears throat> that sort of stuff. Um, that would be nice. I, it's probably going to depend on Apple having some support for that, I would imagine. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately they're getting a little bit more diligent on uh, what goes into apps. And uh, uh, I know that a few app developers listening to the show are getting their apps rejected at the moment because um, Apple are getting quite strict with uh, what's going in there into the App Store, which is uh, yeah. unfortunate. Um, have you got any other ideas? I mean, that, you know, imagine that, you know, you've got a smartphone yourself, you open it up and you're playing around with some apps and, you know, you see the traditional banner ads and uh, um, maybe some interstitals videos and stuff. But have you got any ideas on what we could do to monetize apps like you would do on a blog? Well, I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me 
would be, I mean, I, my site is called Blog Marketing Academy, so you can probably tell from the name of it that I teach on there. So a lot of what I do is, is uh, information product and training. Now, um, I think, I mean, you look at what Udemy has done with having a lot of, of training courses available via their app. And a lot of people, from my understanding, I don't know what the stats are, have been consuming that content via their app. I think there's some good potential room there with the information marketing and, and um, uh, training type education, but not from the from the gatekeepers, but from the general internet who has knowledge to share, can share that information over over the these devices and potentially sell the course that way. So a lot of what I'm doing, it'd be a, a, uh, probably, I don't know if it'd be the same kind of price point, but maybe it would be. It just has to test the audience out, but I think there's definitely room there for it. Yeah, you know, we've got 10 million app developers who are plugged into Apple. So it's a huge community. <clears throat> and I think that, uh, so let's take this as, as an example then. Um, uh, for example, you know, we, we know how to create apps. We know how to put them into Apple. We know, we know all this stuff. So we are you saying that we could create separately, you know, a, an information product? We can almost document the things that we're doing, the things that we discover, the unique things that we feel that we've got something to add value on. And then we uh, almost do a screencast of that and uh, talk, talk over that and uh, just educate the, uh, you know, the potential audience. And then put that into uh, sites like Udemy, and or create a product and put it into ClickBank and then monetize our talent that way. That's a possible angle. I mean, I'm I'm looking. I mean, that would be. It sounds to me like you're talking about the person who creates the app is also creating the information, which is one way to go. But you could even do it in such a way where the person who is the app developer let them have their skills as the app developer, but have but you could partner with somebody who's the expert in a particular market. They bring the knowledge to it, and you basically have wrap a really nicely done app around their course. David, you've just hit a gold mine there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so this is what my homework is for the Appster tribe listening right now. Go and search for uh, Udemy or uh, ClickBank or any of these information products that have big databases, and just search through it and find out some really uh, popular information products that do not have native apps or look like they have a really good audience. And you know this th this is what I love about this show, David, because we can link up to other episodes that we've learned from. So we've learned that it's important to have a big audience to then tap into. So yeah. we, we could tap into that big audience uh, with potentially uh, the release of a new app. And it's another way that people can consume the uh, information, the content, but wrapped within a lovely native app that, uh, and then it, maybe it uses the phone to have uh, like goals to set and uh, different time points and, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of possibility. I mean, I, I would love, I, I don't have one now, but I would love to have a an app for the Blog Marketing Academy where, where people could go through my courses. Yeah, because that, that's what we've talked a lot about in terms of the fact that you go to a lot of these websites and, that you know, maybe it's mobile responsive, but it's not an app. And there's just so much <clears> potential <throat> that you could do with an app. I mean, you could have, oh, yeah. for example, we could have you as an alarm. And so uh, it's it's set off every day that you haven't, completed a task you know you would come on the the phone maybe and just say as a notification saying that you know you need to you need to do this or you need to do that or complete this particular um, uh, module so that you can move forward and, and just keep pushing the audience to, to to actually use the content that they've purchased and and actually make use of it 
Oh yeah, I, I, combining it with uh, push notifications, I can see a lot of power to that. Well, this is great stuff. It really is. Um, so, just as we, so what's really <clears throat> interesting you right now? What what's um, you've been doing this for sixteen years, so you must keep reinventing this the stuff that you're doing and uh, what you're getting into <laughs> what can you tell us about that's really exciting you right now well right now i'm really kind of concentrating on on getting focus i'm actually renewing my focus on the blog marketing academy that that tech site that i was talking about earlier i'm actually in the process right now of selling it to somebody else like this time for real um right. and uh yeah and uh because i just don't re- I, I am not the guy to run it anymore my interests have kind of moved and i don't it's just, you know i need to focus on on what my future is going to be. And I think Blind Marketing Academy has more for that. Now, within that confine, I'm really, systems and automation are definitely an area that I'm focusing on. Um, and then with once I've got that, uh, then expanding outward. Yeah, so that, again, I want to pick up on this selling because uh, how would you go about selling the tech site <clears throat> and what sort of deal would you try to structure? Uh, well, I'm not an expert in selling blogs. I mean, this is the first one that I've sold, but I mean, I could tell you what happened with this guy is that in my, my, ideally I did not want to just give this site to the highest bidder. I wanted, I wanted it. If I'm going to step back from it, I, I do care for the community there. They, a lot of them have been around for a really long time and I wanted to have somebody take over who actually was going to care. And so, uh, my ideal thing popped up was that one of the people who's been reading the site for a long, long time basically is going to be taking it over. And, um, you know, how I got that to happen was I literally emailed my email list and be like, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. And then this guy serviced himself. Oh, right. Okay. Of course, like, you know, because I want to ask you about building up a community because it's one of the things that we've realized is very important as we you know, the more of a community we can build, then we can actually launch other apps to that same community that that solve different problems. And it becomes easier in our launch strategies uh, because we've got a ready-made audience to, you know, launch to. So how do we end up nurturing uh, a community and, and building a community over time? Uh, well, the first thing, offer them something of value to get into the community in the first place. And then it's just a matter of nurturing that uh, relationship over time and realizing it wasn't just a one hit wonder, but that you're there and you're constantly creating new things. And, uh, I mean, that's essentially the basics of it. Just like, uh, you know, it's just like if you're trying to get a girl to like you in real life, you know, you got to first make contact and then you don't want her to forget about you. So you might, you know, keep, <laughs> keep in contact. So it's, it's, it's very, it's very much the same thing in marketing. We, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Yeah, the, there you go. So uh, to all of us, you know, the idea is that uh, just pretend it's a first date with uh, our app <laughs> and uh, that we're trying to woo the uh, audience as well. Um, so like, you know, for example, let's get quite specific. You know, how, how many times do you email your, your newsletter out? Uh, well, with PC Mac, it's been a weekly schedule. So once a week, at least they hear from us. Uh, and then with the Academy, it tends to be once a week, sometimes more. I don't have a set schedule with them. I basically email them when I have something to say. Uh, but I try to make it so that they hear from me at least once a week and then of course within that confine i also have some automated uh email sequences that you know have been preset so they'll hear from me in those cases more often but i'm not actually sitting there manually hitting hitting the button 
Yeah, because it's quite a lot of work, isn't it? Running a, a newsletter or at least uh, emailing uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I just wondered how, how much value there is in, in doing that. Uh, like, for example, do you get a reasonable uh, open rate and uh, click-through rate when you send stuff out? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, uh, to me, one of the, pretty much the biggest traffic spike I ever get on my site is when I send something out to my list. I mean, that's pretty normal. Um, so, and you'll, any app developer will find the same thing. I mean, if they can uh, foster that email list and it just makes launching any new app a heck of a lot easier because you've got that built-in community there. Plus, I, I would imagine, I'm not an expert on iTunes, but the more uh, downloads you can drive in a short amount of time, it seems like it's going to get you up in the rankings and it just kind of snowballs. Yeah, you know, that's a big problem <clears throat> I think I, I can we can address right now is how to engage with our app users, you know, like you would with a blog audience. So, uh, it, you know, we, we can have, we've, we've spoken to app developers who are getting 200,000 downloads a day. Wow. Uh, it's an enormous, enormous market. But of course, you're not, you're not, you know, it's not like having an email list. I mean, I would rather have probably a thousand e uh, on an email list than, you know, 200,000 app downloads because it, it, you just don't have a way of uh, communicating with them on a regular basis or, or building or nurturing that community unless it's like some kind of social uh, um, app. So, uh, yeah, the, the big challenge is for us to try and get the emails uh, from from the app users and uh, and then, you know, uh, communicate with them through through email marketing. Yeah. And and which I've talked about with people before, I just I because I'm not a developer myself, I don't know what the rules are that Apple imposes. It seems like one thing that would be nice would be when somebody opens up an app for the first time, you can actually give them a splash screen, which is inviting them to opt into a list. Which you which goes to your system. I just don't know if Apple says you can't do that. Yeah, they're a little bit fussy with certain rules on uh, getting personal information from uh, the users. Uh, basically, that's <clears throat> it's their users, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. So, e e and that's that's true. Even if you're completely upfront that that's what's happening, and that it's you know completely voluntary. You know, that, let's throw that out to the audience. I'd like to know that as well. I mean, do Apple allow us to have opt-in screens? Because I I cannot remember unless you're signing up to a spe uh, specific service. I, I honestly can't remember uh, getting any opt-in screen on an app. You know, hmm. like, like for a newsletter. And uh, the, yeah, only, time, and the I, only times I, I've ever given my email is when I, I'm signing up to the service for the first time. Yeah, that's the same with me. Uh, I just don't know if that's because nobody's doing it or because Apple says you can't. <laughs> David, me, you and I may have hit another gold mine. That's two in, in this episode. Um, <laughs> that, seriously, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, one of the big things on the web is opt-in. I mean, every website you go to has a newsletter or a, a way of opting in for um, an email list. and And yet, that's not the case for apps. And it seems ridiculous, you know, that given that when you send out, I mean, when I send out to my list, uh, a, b a big bulk of it is opened up on a, an Apple mail client or, a, you know, like a phone. So right. it sounds like a big opportunity. Um, you know, we're getting towards the end and I've got to ask what phone you carry because we'd love to talk about apps. So perhaps we can ask you the phone that you use and one or two apps that you'd recommend that we may not have come across. Yeah, I've got a bunch of them. I'm, I am using the iPhone. Uh, the I guess it's the 5S. So I might get the 6 when it comes out. We'll see. 
<laughs> yeah, we're all looking forward to that. It's only going to be uh, pretty sooner, we think. So uh, what what have you got? What one or two apps do you think would help us uh, with our business or personal life? I'm um, just looking at my one of them that I use quite a bit is Workflowy, uh, Workflowy.com, actually. And it's it's just a simple list making tool where you can nest the list practically infinitely. Um, and I use it on the web, but they actually have an app. Now, their app is quite simplistic in that it's primarily a portal to the Internet, but I do find myself using it quite a bit. Um, as far as some other ones that you're – I don't know which ones you guys have heard of. I, I use uh, TurboScan some to do scanning with it. Uh, obviously, Facebook, that's pretty much a given. Evernote, 1Password. Um, those are some of the ones I use for business. Yeah, we just on Evernote is one of the popular apps, and we did have a guest on Justin Mez who uh, has offered any listeners to go and get a transcript with the co-founder of Evernote, and uh, and so that's one of the previous episodes that we had. You can get access to a discussion, and apparently the guy uh, is an amazing um, you know interviewer. So uh, awesome. and, and obviously he's built something so amazing in Evernote. It's something that almost every guest seems to use, and. Uh, is one of the most popular. Yeah. I, I know one that I've looked for, and I could just throw this out there since I'm talking to developers, and, and maybe it exists, but one thing that would help me get through my emails quickly is if I could speak it out, but not have it transcribed, but literally send the recording. And I don't know, I know email can be a, uh, a potential bottleneck there with emailing attachments around, but I know that one thing that I've done in the on my actual computer is I'll just speak out a reply because it's so much quicker, and I'll just attach it and send it to them. And it would be cool if, I, if there was an app where it just wham bam and just run through your emails that way. But um, David, David, w- welcome to my office. Let me go through what I do. This is one of my tricks of uh, communicating because I'm a pod- <laughs> I, I'm a podcaster. I love audio, so that when I do reach out to uh, people that get in touch with me. I tend to record them a private message and I've been doing this now for about four or five months and it's been so well received. Honestly, I've got my Evernote folder full of praise that, you know, I, I do this. So I use an app called Orphoric. Uh, or I was using SoundCloud, but they updated it and, and got rid of the uh, recording feature, which was a real annoying thing. But so I use Orphoric and I've got it set up so that it uploads to Orphoric. It makes my voice sound incredibly good, like it's in a studio, because they, they have some processing techniques in the background. And then uh, I have this preset that then uploads to SoundCloud. Uh, hmm. It's all very quick, you know, just a quick push of a button, goes all automatically up to um, uh, uh, Orphoric and then to SoundCloud. And then I go over to SoundCloud, just grab the link and then send that. And it's a, a, an audio recording for... Uh, you know, people on my email list or uh, people that have reached out to me on Twitter or et cetera. And it's just been, you know, getting an audio message, I think makes that bridge between what could be perceived as maybe a, a, a canned response or some, you know, cut and paste job on an email uh, to something that's way more human. Yeah, I like that. I, I show notes and I'd be curious. you could you could let me know yeah I'll put it in the show notes it's called Orphoric yeah. A-U-P-H-O-R-I-C Orphoric and uh, it was actually a, a recommendation from a, a guest a long while ago and I've been using it ever since and it's been just terrific uh, cool so um, you know and the uh, I guess before we say goodbye I, I honestly I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat and I 
I mean, we've come out with so many golden nuggets here on what we could be doing for apps and the crossover with blogs. Uh, how uh, best can we reach out and connect with you if we've got any follow-up or anything that we'd like to get in touch with you? What's the best way of getting in touch? Well, my home base is blogmarketingacademy.com. So, uh, so that, you know, pretty much everything I've got is right there. Uh, I've got a contact page there. If people want to email me directly or I've got the uh, social media links at the bottom of that site. Uh, or you could just follow me, David Risley, on Twitter. Wonderful. I'll make sure that they're all on the show notes as well. So if you go to theappguy.co and just search for the uh, podcast, that's episode 136 with David Risley. You'll see all the little links there to the, the apps that we've mentioned. And uh, and what I tend to do is I put a lot of these apps that, you know, there's definitely one or two there that I haven't heard of. So I'll be putting those into my report, which you can get uh, by going to my website and subscribing to my newsletter. So David, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Maybe uh, when we interview you next year, you'll be an app guy and not a blogger. <laughs> you never know. I actually have thought about the space. It's just I got a lot to learn. It, well, I mean, everyone's moving over to mobile. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we are getting our feeds um, through things like uh, Flipboard and Prismatic and in all these other uh, feeds that then put into a beautiful uh, display on our iPhones and our iPads. And so, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, the blogging is obviously still extremely strong, but it's being consumed within apps that that, uh, are wrapping all the, the content within the app. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it actually might be a good space uh, for me at some point. I mean, actually, I do come from a fairly technical background. So uh, and I, I, I've done a lot of web based programming, a lot of uh, stuff like that. So mobile was almost a natural extension. Yeah, no, that, well, you're welcome back anytime, David. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure talking to you. And we honestly wish you all the best with um, I recommend everyone now go and visit your uh, blog marketing academy.com. Uh, go check it out. And uh, what a pleasant uh, guy to speak to 16 years. Very inspirational. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast. 